Okay, so we are in Prague at the NFT Castle for the weekend. Uh, you can tell we're about to go to a gala. We don't just walk around um, tourist cities uh, like this every day. Well, at least I don't. I don't know. Maybe you do. Um, so I've got Jonathan Victor of Protocol Labs, um, and you are, well, a collaborator, partner of Outliers, of course, with Farpoint, IPFS, and Accelerator that we run. Um, but also you're here to, I guess, promote NFT storage, which is um, an implementation leveraging IPFS um, and Filecoin right? um, for uh, NFTs. Of course, IPFS is like a, a core component for the NFT industry, but it'd be great to understand a little bit about you, um, generally what you're doing with regards to NFTs at IPFS and, and, and Filecoin, um, and then thirdly about NFT storage. Yeah. Uh, where is the best place to start? Let, let's start with you and your background. Yeah. Yeah. So I joined Protocol Labs a little over two and a half years ago. So I came from outside of the Web3 space. Before this, I was working in big data consulting. Um, but I had first heard of Protocol Labs around 2016 or so. Um, a few of my friends at LS job had been very into Ethereum, like up until like the DAO hack. Uh, and so they had been like telling me a lot about crypto and like all the things that people were doing. I was like trying to wrap my head around like, okay, I understand that it's unique. I couldn't tell like, how is it useful? Uh, and so, I mean, I was just doing a bunch of research, listening to as many talks, reading as many white papers. And that's when I came across the IPFS white paper and a talk wanted given at one of the first, I think it was the second DevCon. Um, and from there, like while Ethereum was like wrapping my head around, IPFS just clicked much more naturally. I think, especially when you start thinking about like how information is passed around the web, especially when you're doing big data, you have to like think about that when you're doing compute. And so in this specific case, I was looking at IPFS and just many more things made sense immediately of like, what are the immediate use cases where this could potentially plug in? Uh, not to get political, but like, I think there was, uh, you look in 2016 and 2017, uh, there was a number of events that sort of happened that sort of like, uh, I think maybe highlighted the value of decentralized technologies. Uh, in Turkey, there was like a bigger crackdown on Wikipedia. Uh, you look at like there was a hurricane in Puerto Rico and then Google was beaming down like the 2G balloons or whatever internet. And you start realizing like the internet really is this fundamental resource. And especially when we think about how humanity's knowledge compounds, it's one of those things where like at a technological level, you want to ensure that the stuff is accessible and available. Um, so for me, that was like the starting point of like, how did I hear about IPFS, Filecoin, all of that stuff sort of like stemmed from this like interest in what protocol apps is building. And then, yeah, I mean, slowly over time, uh, you get to a point in your career. If I was still at my old company until 2019-ish. And so you get to a point where you've been doing the same thing for a bit. And you're like, am I going to be a lifer? Or do I want to work on something else? It's like, if I'm happy where I am, I'm only going to trade off if it's something that's like order of magnitude better in some direction. And so... I'm more purposeful, I guess, as well. Right? Exactly. Yeah. You want to like work on something that feels like every day you wake up super excited and passionate about the stuff. Um, so maybe just for like hygiene factor... Um, so I don't want to assume people like fully understand the whole ecosystem. What's the difference between IPFS, Protocol Labs, and Filecoin? And how do they like interact in your day-to-day -day life? Yeah. So Protocol Labs is like a research development and deployment lab. Uh, so IPFS, uh, we create and we like maintain implementations of IPFS. There are other orgs that work on different implementations. Uh, and then we also did the same for Filecoin. Uh, so we wrote the Filecoin white paper, uh, Juan and Nicola and a few other folks. Uh, and then Filecoin, we've created one implementation called Lotus, but there's other teams that maintain others. Uh, and collectively, these are like all technologies that can fit into a decentralized web. Um, so for the listeners, uh, watchers, 
Uh, IPFS is a peer-to-peer protocol for storing and retrieving content based on a fingerprint that we call a content ID of the content. And sort of the magic is when you think about how the internet normally works, it's like if we're talking about a book, I'm telling you to go to a specific location to get that book. And if I was telling you to go fly to London and then like in the middle of town, there's a library or whatever, uh, many things could go wrong. You could be blocked from going to the library, the library could burn down, someone could have put something else there and you wouldn't know the difference. Um, And with IPFS, the way that it works is I would tell you a very specific description of the book. I would say it's like To Kill a Mockingbird written by Harper Lee. There's this many pages. And then you could ask me, you could ask anyone, you could ask, yeah, you could ask me to ask my friends and whoever. And whoever has a copy of it can hand it back to you. And then you can verify it's the same thing that you asked for. Um, And so that idea has two main benefits. One, you get this like integrity property where you can immutably reference content, which really applies for the NFT world, where you can say like, I'm looking for this specific thing and know that the thing that you get back matches what you asked for. Um, And then the other thing is because you don't have to point to a location, you can ask anyone, which means that data can live anywhere. And when we think about like data centralization, there's a lot of themes that people have about social media companies and how much access do they have to our data and what control do you have? You can sort of invert that question when the data doesn't have to live on X, Y, or Z servers. Um, And so IPFS solves one problem, which is if I have between one and N copies of data living on a network, how do I make sure I can get it? And IPFS gives you that answer. It says, if there's at least one copy, it'll find a way back to you so long as you can ask enough people and find a way to that content. Uh, The thing Filecoin solves is how do I guarantee that that content exists? So if IPFS solves the one to N, then Filecoin solves the zero to one. And really that's just, Filecoin is a crypt, it's a blockchain uh, for storage where like you can participate as a client uh, and you can talk to an open market of storage providers and say, I would like you to store this data. And you get like a cryptographic guarantee as well as an economic guarantee. You can think of it as just like a blockchain enforced SLA to say that this content has to exist for some period of time. And if that goes wrong, there is a penalty for the provider. And so I think like, uniquely the thing Filecoin does is it like points to specific people and says like, you are required to hold this thing on if you want to continue to make money. Otherwise you will pay out money as a result. Um, and that gives you really strong guarantees about the existence of the data. And it gives you the ability to say, if something goes wrong, how do I programmatically take action? Which means that you can write higher order protocols to make sure content lives actually forever in a verifiable way. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, clearly, Incredibly powerful. So how is that being utilized as a stack today by the NFT ecosystem? Yeah. So, I mean, all of these technologies, they're super powerful. And the big like perk of Web3 is that they're permissionless, which means anyone can build on top of these and you can choose what sort of like stack of like things you want to run versus you pay other people to run versus like the protocol will just manage itself. Um, and so because you get that flexibility, people can choose to like take an earlier stage of, I want someone else to run all this infrastructure for me to, I want to run everything myself to like truly verify that this stuff works. Um, so in our ecosystem, there's a bunch of different people who offer services for different layers of the stack. Uh, but what we sort of observed was people wanted to do things like use an IPFS like URL as like a reference for an NFT, because they know that like a CID is sort of magic. You just ask this magic like protocol thing and it can just find the thing you're looking for. Um, and that's really powerful. But in order to do that and do it correctly, there's like subtle nuances where like you want to make sure you mint the URL correctly. And people sometimes would guess and then guess wrong. 
And like the cool thing is if you have that content ID, like someone else could look at your wrongly created URL and figure it out. But like you want to make it easy for people to do the right thing. And the same was true with Filecoin, where Filecoin is this really powerful protocol. It's got like 12 epibytes of storage and this unique crypto economic model. Which just for context, cool. like how does that compare against, yeah. you know, the centralized solutions? So you look at CERN, who has like 100 petabytes of data and a petabyte, it, there's 1,024 petabytes in an exabyte. So we're talking about like 11 CERNs or so <laughs> worth of data. So it's like a really, really large amount of capacity. And the crypto economic model makes it incredibly cheap to like store data. I was trying to do the math for a different like talk I'm giving. I think if you look at the terabyte per year average cost, I had to use scientific notation to show like it's literally like less than a fraction of a penny uh, to store. And this is because the way Filecoin works, uh, miners are incentivized both through fees that they pay and block rewards that they earn. And we're in a really early part of the network. And so these block rewards basically subset in the same way that it was really cheap early on in like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and so on. Like <clears throat> the block rewards are on a schedule that are tied to basically like adoption of the network, which means that early adopters get this massive subsidy, uh, which makes it incredibly cheap to store the data on the network. Right. And then as I said, uh, this weekend, you're here promoting NFT storage. Can you tell us about what that is and how it adds something to that stack? Yeah, so basically what we're trying to do is make it really easy for early for folks who are trying to create NFTs to be able to use these powerful protocols without having to do a lot of the upfront work. It doesn't mean that they can't swap in whatever infrastructure they'd like or like graduate to like doing things on their own, but really it's just trying to say, how do you make use of this stuff and get the benefits that you're looking for without having to become an expert on day one? And so it actually started from a hackathon where NFT hack was in March of this year. And there was a lot of folks who, as we were like doing some like pre like hackathon prep, we were talking to them and it was just clear they were learning Solidity for the first time. They were Web2 devs coming into the Web3 world. And it's just like the surface area of what can go wrong is so large. And so, yeah, we were like, how do we productionize like best practices to make it incredibly easy just to do the right thing the first time? Um, so that's where NFT storage came out of. Uh, because these are Web3 protocols, there's a bunch of really cool things that we had sort of planned down the line thinking about like, how do you create data DAOs and like endowments that literally live on chain using other primitives like DeFi and stuff to like actually set up like ongoing funding for things. Um, but yeah, this is like a really powerful service that is really intended just to like, m like much more democratize the access to these protocols and leverage things like the massive storage capacity. So you can have like HD videos, 3D assets. Oh, wow. we, yeah. And like really a lot of this comes down to if you think of NFTs and like their adoption cycle, we're still on the very far end of like early adopter because of gas fees and things like that. The main use cases that make the most sense are things like art. But when you start thinking about like gaming tickets, like popes, like if you really want like to actually like use NFTs in all the ways that they could be used, we're talking about like billions of NFTs that have to be minted, which means we need massive amounts of storage. We need protocols that can scale. We need the cost to be hyper, hyper cheap to really make this work. Um, and so that's where we're coming from. And that's where like NFT.storage is trying to just like be that enabler for folks out there. Yeah, well, I know that's going to be incredibly useful for projects going through the accelerator, as you said, you know, to, to be able to kind of just go from zero to one really quickly, spin things up and focus on, you know, building a business really while they have to worry about configuring everything. I think it's going to be really powerful um, and definitely looking to forward to collaborating with you uh, as protocol labs and the wider ecosystem. Um, so what I would say is if you are a startup building an IPFS, um, Filecoin, 
early stage and you're looking for funding, um, both organizations go invest and give you access to the wider ecosystem. So make sure you apply at outlayventures.io slash Basecamp.